0: Now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski.
1: The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> You're devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf
0: and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports
1: station. Final hour of the show, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios on this Tuesday afternoon. Got baseball going already. Wolf has just heard Mitch talking about the update. Phillies all over the Braves, 7-3. Mariners... Up on the Astros, 1-0 in the second inning from Houston.
2: Okay, there. thanks for that
1: update. Yeah, I just gave you an update after Mitch gave you the exact same beautiful. I just wanted to parents. really drive
2: that point home. Look at Mitch's back. They're like, what, what am I doing? We're just trying to impress Why me. Why am I here?
1: Oh. He's like, okay, oh, I see. I told you what to say. Now say <laughs> uh, All right, so we had Cliff Kingsbury on the show yesterday, Wolf, as we do every Monday, as I just keep k- keep resetting things that we already know. <laughs> and he talked about the return of DeAndre
2: Hopkins, yeah, I mean he's one of the most dynamic playmakers in the league and has been um, for a long time. Um, that's you pay a guy that's having money, you have a true number one wideout. I mean that, that's a big part of your offense. You can look at these teams when they lose their number one guy, how it goes, and um, teams have to know where he's at at all times. We've really got some good complimentary pieces now that we feel like we can do some good things around him. And um, when he's been on the field for the Cardinals, we've been really good on offense. So I'm hoping that continues. All
1: right, so the reason I even asked him that question about DeAndre Hopkins was not coming. Back this week, he's coming back a week from Thursday against the Saints. Yeah. Was I have this growing concern, Wolf, that it's not everybody, but a lot of people are like, oh, it's fine, get to week seven. Hopkins will come back and they'll just start winning every game again. Yeah. And I kind of want to know if the Cardinals are thinking that way, too, because there are times where it's like, look, we just get to week seven. And I, I get it. You're getting one of your best players back. You and I were on the same page sure. start of the season. If you can just get the three and three and get Hopkins back, you're going to be in a decent spot. But I'm a little worried that we're all going overboard <laughs> with the when Hopkins comes back, it's going to
2: be the best offense in the league. I haven't seen anything to indicate that. Yeah, Um first of all, you said concerned and you said worried. Are you afraid? Ah! Uh, what? <laughs> are, you, are you afraid? I hope somebody caught that. Are you the afraid? Ah! Okay, I know it when people, they love it when I make noises on the air. So. We should just have a second. Are where you just afraid right there, Luke? Um, listen, I'm not I afraid. You, I'm
1: just it's, it's, it's interesting to me do, that we're all kind of going down that
2: path. Can I tell you right now, um, this was something that I've been talking about for years with DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, Kyla Murray. Um, DeAndre Hopkins clears up a lot of the coverage that Kyla Murray sees snap. Yeah, it it clears it up for him. He is going to so make it a lot again, better. He's good. Yeah, he's going to make a huge difference in what we're seeing. Which is one of the reasons why I need to run the ball even more right now and build that part of it because you need to be able to do both. If you get one dimensional in the National Football League, it's over. It's it's you're done. I don't care how good you are at throwing the ball. You'll be done. It's one of the reasons why I want to see the Cardinals be more balanced. you got to be more balanced. you got to be whatever you need to be to beat your opponent. And I, I'm, I'm afraid. This is what I'm afraid right here. Because when D-Hop gets back, look everybody, it's Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz. What, what I'm afraid of is they're going to just throw the ball. And although that might allow them to win some games, when it actually matters and when you have to win a game, I think it's actually going to put them behind the eight ball. That's just my opinion. Well, I there that's... might be people over there laughing right now, coaches laughing. I don't care. I don't
1: think anybody's laughing at two and three. I'm
2: just telling you right, yeah, right. I'm just telling you right now. I want to see balance. I want to see him be able to run the ball if that's what they need to do to beat a team in the playoffs, or beat a team in December to get into the playoffs when it matters the most. Man, you need to be able to do it and i'm afraid when d hop gets back hey you know what here we go it's it's definite it's going to be more air raid than it is run raid
1: well and, and i think you kind of hit on what my my hesitation is with all this of yeah okay you're in survival mode the first six weeks of the season, because if you're not and you're one and five, which they won't be, then it doesn't really matter when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. You're one and five or oh and six. You're yeah. so far behind the eight ball. If you can be at three and three, it's kind of like your season is starting and you're going to be at full strength in theory. I mean, they have other injuries, but this team has been looking to get better as the season goes on, not start great and trail off. I was hoping along the lines of what you're saying that the offense going into week six against the Seahawks would be humming along without DeAndre Hopkins. And then it would be, uh, let's just put DeAndre Hopkins in there. Good luck stopping us now. The Cardinals are running all over teams. They're passing all over teams. Now you're going to add Hopkins. There were moments in the preseason, Wolf, where I was like, I even had the thought of like, are they going to need like an adjustment period? Because the offense will be rolling by then when they put Hopkins in to be like, okay, we got to you know, slow down yeah, for a no, second. Yeah,
2: They don't need to slow down because yeah. they're
1: basically stopped
2: right now. Yeah, but you, you know, for me the whole time, it was, I was concerned the whole time that they were they were going to go out and use a lot more 12 personnel. They were going to put Kyler under center. They were going to find their offense. They were going to grow and evolve the offense more. Again, like I said, not that suddenly this offense was ever going to turn into a Kyler's under center 70% of the time. <laughs> Stop it. It's no, never going to happen. But it, but it looks
1: like the same offense minus their best receiver.
2: Yes. That's what it looks like. Yes. And I will tell you that when D-Hop gets back, it's going to clear it up for Kyler Murray. And I do believe this offense is going to start exploding. And that's going to be great. And everyone's going to be laughing. And it's going to, oh, look at the offense. D-Hop fixed that. He fixed this offense. Now the Cardinals are rolling. Until they absolutely need to be able to run the ball to beat somebody. Now what are you going to do? Does it bring you any happiness that Philadelphia, who,
1: as we have detailed, has a very similar offense to what the Cardinals are running, is fourth in the NFL in uh, rushing yards
2: per game? Yeah. it can be done. A lot of that is Jalen Hurts. We all know that, but... At the, same the Cardinals time. have
1: a Jalen Hurts type player, though, if they At really. At the same
2: time, hey, going into the Cardinals game, Miles Sanders had 356 yeah. yards. He's been okay? a much
1: better back this he year. He was
2: almost averaging 400 yards. I mean, 100 yards. He <laughs> was averaging 400 yards. Hey, I was a wedge booster. How are you?
1: When you say stuff like that, I purposely don't talk so that they can isolate the audio and play it back in three years. You You're not going to cut it?
2: that. Do not cut that. Um, I feel <laughs> like Maloney. Just
1: look at Maloney's face. We Mal? definitely
2: cut
0: it. What's funny is before you even said anything, I looked at Jesse and I go, cut that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just saying right now, Millard. Um I don't even remember where we're going, so we're going to go to That break. might be it now. That might, might, that might be the new one. We're giving you the chance to win
1: tickets to see undefeated international superstar Jake Paul as he takes on legendary UFC champion Anderson Silva at Desert Diamond Arena on Saturday, October 29th. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. When we come back, roughing the passer in the NFL is becoming a joke. What's the league going to do to fix it? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Wolf and Luke Middays. 98.7 FM Arizona's sports station we lie awake after
2: Right yeah. right about now.
0: Especially
2: if you're a flat house.
1: Or a defensive get, player who's signifying a uh, the pass for the NFL right now. You, yeah, or any fan of the league. Oh, this opens longer than I thought it was. <laughs> I, I Of We potted it down a little <laughs> bit as well. Nah, it's coming back right now. I
0: hate
2: that got nasty quickly. We get it, Mal. Mel adjusted.
1: I uh I, I didn't realize that song when it originally came out was written about the NFL's roughing the passer rule or the enforcement of it, but it sure fits now in twenty twenty two. Oh my it? goodness, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Oh, let's start with Tom Brady. Over the weekend, he got tackled by Grady Jarrett. It was a nice sack. He put the Falcons in a position to get the ball back with maybe even a chance to pull the upset over Tampa Bay. And obviously, that's not allowed. You can't hit Tom Brady. So Grady was uh, immediately flagged for roughing the passer. Brady essentially had to apologize it for or for it or rather after the game. What
3: do you think of that play? Have you been lobbying or asking for some late hits? I don't know the flags.
2: <laughs> I, don't I don't throw, throw the, flags. the flags. Yeah. Now, the question no, was you have, work have you Tom, been lobbying for those? You work the white hat, and you know you work the white hat. Yeah, he does. He I mean, does. Do you, do you see, it? watch how many times Tom Brady will turn around after a pass play where he does get hit and look at the white hat and put his hands out. Mm-hmm. Just watch. No, I, Take trust me, of I've, it. I've, I've it seen it happens two or three times a game where yeah. he does that. You, like, what are you doing? You can't.
1: Touch Tom Brady, and it has it, that didn't start on Sunday. It's been that way for years. It's funny because what happened on Sunday, I've even heard Patriots fans being like, "Oh, it's ridiculous. You got to be able to tackle Tom Brady." You weren't saying that when he was playing no, at Foxborough a few years like, ago. Go the, the, same, fuck! the same thing. Uh, the other quote from Brady was uh, they asked him about the sack from Grady Jarrett. Yeah. And he said it was a long, unwelcomed hug from Grady. That okay, was the description right. of the sack. That and got, that's exactly what it was. It is. And then last night you had Chris Jones sacking Derek Carr. He got roughing the passer, and uh, that led to Joe Buck, who was on the call, saying this.
3: I mean, at some point you have to be realistic with where the defensive player, what's he supposed to do, disappear? I mean, he's there. The ball comes out. The ball's in his gut. I don't know where he's supposed to go. He's talked about uh, at the end of yesterday's games because of the Grady Jarrett Tom Brady hit. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was taken out of the ball game uh, early in that one because of... The eye in the sky saying they thought they might have seen a little bit of a stagger. So we're in new territory now with the way these quarterbacks are going to be protected in the wake of the Tua tonga Loa situation.
1: Let's take one of the most exciting plays in football, Wolf, and then just reverse it every time it happens for no reason. Yes. Not for no reason, but not for any good reason.
2: This, which one was more egregious to you as you were watching it? Which one really was more egregious when you saw Tom Brady or Derek Carr? Uh, The Brady one.
1: I thought, look, they were both bad, but the Brady one... I honestly was like, I don't know what the guy's supposed to do. He sacked him, he kinda like cushioned the blow like I thought the the, the Brady sack was as textbook of how you are taught to sack a quarterback as you could possibly be. Yeah. And they called him for roughing the passer and basically ended the game.
2: Yeah, for me it was the same as well. But there are a lot of people too that look at the Derek Carr sack, I think, and get outraged too. Chris Jones and what Chris Jones did is simply make one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen in the history of the game, ever. Uh, I, you've got to be kidding me. You come from behind, you get the sack, you, you, you hit him, you're taking him down, the ball comes out, and you grab the ball as you're riding the quarterback into the ground. And you're still trying to brace yourself from keeping your, all your weight on him. I, that's what Chris Jones did. And, um, That was shocking to see that. And you could hear the displeasure of the fans in the background, of course. And this is something that, Luke, I'm telling you, it'll break the hearts of true fans if they continue down this road of protecting the quarterback to a point where you're not playing football anymore.
1: I agree. These two calls that we're looking at. And I think the reason everybody's freaking out about the one so much last night is I'm guessing more people were much watching Monday Night Football than the end of the Buccaneers-Falcons game. Um, but yes. these two calls, they're not protecting anybody. If Tom Brady wasn't in danger. Derek Carr wasn't in danger. You're still having issues where two weeks ago... Tua gets hit in the Buffalo game, can't stand up, and he's, you know, wadd- waddling around and stumbling in circles, and they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead and get back out there. That's where your issue is. Not a quarterback getting sacked. I thought roughing the passer was supposed to be the guy throws the pass, and then two seconds later, you drill him. Yes. You just blindside him. Right. Or, and I understand that they have said, okay, you can't hit him high because they don't want the head injuries. Yeah. And they've said you can't hit him low because they don't want the knee injuries. Right. But you gotta be able to hit him somewhere, otherwise every game's gonna be eighty five to eighty.
2: So let him hit the quarterback, please. Okay, not headshots, not not even the crown of the helmet. Don't use the crown of the helmet to hit the quarterback. Don't. If you wanna go that far, I don't care if it's on his back, I don't care if it's on his front, you can't use your helmet to hit him. You he gotta use your shoulder. Hey, I'm all for yeah, that's that. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. To the best of your ability, that's what you got to do. i got no problem with that. The NFL has got to address this. They do. Um, when you've got Tony Dungy, and I was talking about this the first time we talked about it, but when you have Tony Dungy, who um, is not prone to hyperbole-based on, audience, he is not. This is one of the most conservative dudes you're ever going to meet, especially when it comes to evaluating the game of football. When you have Tony Dungy say in his Twitter feed, this isn't football anymore. <laughs> when you have him saying that about these roughing the passer penalties, you're in trouble. Well, and You've got to do something to address it right now, Roger Goodell you're really in trouble because when you
1: say that or you say Tony Dungy said that, do you really think anybody's driving around right now listening being like, no, I disagree? I think like pretty much everybody agrees on this. You
2: you are... There's always somebody who's going to. Disagree. I was going to say, there's always somebody who'll
1: disagree just for the sake somebody. of disagreeing. You kidding, me? you contrarian. But um, this is not. This is not. Hey, you can't go full speed and drill somebody helmet to helmet across the middle. And there's that group that's like, no, nah, they know what they're signing up for. If it shortens their life by twenty years, entertain me. This is not that. I am not. Are you not entertained? This is. This is stupid. All he did was tackle him. It's football, like. <laughs> I, I always I, laugh every time you, when you when you say quarterbacks are not football players. I always laugh right yeah. in your face. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, just like that. Uh, but if we go down this path where you can't hit them high, low, or at all, then... You got and, problems. W-
2: and you have former quarterbacks saying it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, but again, Tony Dungy is... Very, very conservative in how he analyzes the game. And when he says that, this isn't football anymore. Um, Okay, that's coming from him, but it's also coming from so many other fans all over the world. If Tony Dungy is saying that and actually picking up his phone and tweeting that out, can you imagine what every fan is saying deep down inside? And fans ultimately will decide what happens here. With a game of football. Might be 100 years from now. Who knows? Before we nuke each other into oblivion. Who knows how long that's going to be. Still won't be able to touch Brady even in that scenario. (laughs) Exactly. Even then, who knows how long it's going to be. But it will ultimately be the thing that I think a lot of people walk away from the game. Because they say to themselves, this isn't the game. This isn't football anymore. You can go too far in trying to protect a player.
1: Well... Along those lines, uh, roughing the passer is going to be discussed at the ownership meetings that just happened to be next week. So, they, How about that, it's at least going to be discussed. it's going to be discussed. And this isn't the NCAA where discussed means we might make a change in 27 years. It's the (laughs) NFL. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Hockey starts tonight. Wolf the Coyotes start on Thursday. What should we expect from the team this year? We're just going to ask their head coach, Andre Turny. He joins us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, 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 Arizona's Arizona's Sports Station. Station.
0: This is the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf. Luke.
1: Oh, it is that time of year again, Wolf, for the Coyotes' coach show. Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. As the Coyotes get set to begin the season on Thursday in Pittsburgh, NHL getting going tonight, though. Coach, thank you for the time. How was your
2: off season?
3: Was unbelievable. It was great. I had good time, good family time. Uh, that was uh, that was awesome.
2: So where did you go, Bear? I have to know this right now. Where, where did you go to try to unwind this summer?
3: Uh, you know what? Uh, before the the def camp, I did not go anywhere in the sense I get, we we had a lot of work, watching NHL playoffs, and uh, prep the next season and all everything we had to do. But after, so I, from uh, mid July to. Uh, almost end of August. I, I've been uh, been everywhere around the world. Uh, I've been uh, in Italy. I went to Rome, went on the great Greek island. And then uh, after I had a fishing trip with my buddy up north in Canada and uh I had uh, as well a trip in uh, upstate New York, Lake Placid and uh, Lake George, and uh, wow. so I, be- I had a really good summer. Do you believe me, boys? No, yeah, I, do,
2: do. <laughs> I do. I do. Italy and then upstate New yeah. York. Nobody knows that better yep. than I do, bro. Listed
1: off like eight places. Yeah, like, there <laughs> we go. Uh, all right, coach, you're going into year two with this team. Um, and just your thoughts on on how you know it maybe gets a little bit easier for you, <laughs> relatively speaking, now that you've you've known. A lot of these guys for a year and maybe how much easier it gets for the players being in the same under the same coach now for for some continuity
3: that's, that's the way I feel, I feel it's a, it's a big difference for the player they, they know what to expect, they know uh, how we want to play they, we had a head start in our system and all of it, so uh, it. it it did not show in term of result during the camp but it showed in term of performance defensively and a lot of things we're we're trying to do differently or not differently. Better. Not not differently because it's the same structure but change a few things in it, tweak a few things, make sure we make it more simpler and more effective for the players. So Uh, I think we succeed in those. uh, We need to work on our offense, generate more offense, more possession, more execution. But uh, defensively, we're much better.
2: Bear, one of the reasons why I love talking to you is because we are not afraid to talk about culture. And you're not afraid to talk about culture as well. Having said that, what do you want your guys to know about this year and your expectations for them this year? You know,
3: they, if you look at our team uh, from last year to this year, we lost a lot of leadership. You know, they, 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 there's a guy who played under the games game in the league and uh, they won Stanley Cup who, who, who left, and uh, it's all right because our young group learned a lot from them last year. Now it's their time to to take control and to take charge and to have those responsibilities. So, so building our our leadership and those leaders taking charge of the culture and how we want to do things and taking the responsibility. It's something to say in the back of the bus, we should do this. Mm-hmm. But it's something publicly different to taking charge to make sure that is what's happening and to making sure everybody have the same value and everybody respect the way we do things with the, uh, with, the with the youth. So uh, I think that would be... Uh, uh, a good year for that, for our young guys to, to learn that. The second, the other thing is, if you look the way our roster builds, we're, we're a tough team. We're really, well, tough mentally and physically. We're, we want to be a team where uh, we'll be in a small barn. We want the opponent to come here and know hey, it won't be an easy night. We're, we'll be a tough team to play against. Uh, we, we're physical. Uh, we have toughness. And we want to make sure our player embrace that.
2: You were talking about the fact that you did lose a lot of experience from that dressing yeah. room. So talk to me. Do you have the guys that you think are going to be able to walk around and model the culture you want for everybody else? Yeah, that's, I,
3: I, we're really confident in that. I think that's, you know, you've been in a, a locker room in, in football, and it's not something it's as easy as you think. It's not just happening overnight when there's a shift of leadership the value is still there, but being a leader, it's something, you, okay, leadership is something you have, but being a good leader and uh, surround the player the right way and taking care of your teammates, it's something, you, you, there's a learning curve there, and I think our guys are ready for, for it, and it will be exciting to help them and follow them during the year and to, to, to give them some advice on how to uh, have an impact, a positive impact on their, their player. and Making sure they take ownership of the culture. If the culture, if the, the style of play, the culture, the, the habits, and the, the every, every day, the value of our team are not the the way we want, those guys will need to uh, to be accountable and take ownership of it and say, hey, "Okay, it's my job to make sure those guys, my teammates, my partner, my other leader in the team are pushing in the right direction." So that will be interesting.
1: Talking to Coyote's head coach, Andre Turney. Uh, Coach, one of the players on your roster that's going to stand out to a lot of people is Dylan Gunther. Uh, For people who don't know the rules, he can only play nine games, basically, and then you have to make a decision if you're going to send him down all the way back to the CHL or keep him with the team. What what do you need to see from him, or what are you looking for from him, because he's been such a prolific scorer at the junior level?
3: Yeah, you know, it's... it's, uh, funny you, you say that because everybody talks about how much Gunter can score. Oh, sure. But what I like about Gunter, and that's from the beginning. Before I worked for the Yotes, when I was working with Hockey Canada, I had guns at the U18. And what I like about this player is he can do many things on the ice. He has good stick. He has good reach. Yeah, positioning is really good offensively, defensively. He can help as an interior because, you know, most of the time you don't have the puck in a hockey game, so you need to be good without it. And he, he's really good at it. Yes, he can score. Yes, he can shoot. But he can do more than that. And that's what he did during the training camp. So uh, I'm really happy. Uh, I look forward to seeing him play against pro player, against man at the pace uh, of the NHL game. I, uh, he has the brain to do it. Uh, I'm sure he will be great. Uh, it will be a matter of time. We'll go slowly with him. But uh, he has all the, all the tools
2: are you worried at all that you're playing in mullet arena where it is a smaller atmosphere in a smaller arena? Are you worried about that impacting your guys and reminding them that they're in the NHL? Yeah,
3: no, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. You know, I, I'm, uh, I think there, there were enough noise around the team and around that for the, the past season and a half. Uh, I think we we heard enough about it. We just want to get over with and, and 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 do it. The, the other thing is the way we see it is we're really curious to to be there and see the the ambiance and the atmosphere. Will be there because I've been a coached in junior for a long time and there were a lot of building of uh, forty five and five uh, or five thousand people. And you know what? There, when the, the fans are into it, that is loud and that's intimidating. And they, they're kind of on top of you. And you, you feel that they, they, there's no room, there's no air. So uh, I hope that will become a home almost advantage for us and hope our fans will, uh, will be behind us and uh, will be loud and the atmosphere will be great. And I think that can become something special.
1: Coach, we appreciate the time. A lot of road games to start the year. Good luck in Pittsburgh on Thursday, all right? Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Thank you, Bear. Thanks a lot. That's Coyotes head coach Andre Turney joining us right there on the Arizona Sports line. And just to give you a reference point on Dylan Gunther, and obviously, as you just heard Bear say, he's on the team right now because he does other things. And that's such a smart coach thing to say if most of the time in hockey you don't have the puck anyway. But if you are a Coyotes fan who has been goal-starved uh, Gunther last year in the WHL, in 59 games, 45 goals and 91 points. <laughs> the year before, in the uh, actually two years, because there wasn't really a year before, much of a year with the, with COVID, 58 games, he had 26 goals and 59 points. <sighs> I mean, the guy puts the puck in the net, which yes. is something that the Coyotes just have not had a, a, a prolific goal scorer like that in a while. And he's got to do it at the NHL level, obviously, but uh, if he can do the other things... Sort of like in football. Wolf. Well, you can play special teams and pass protect, you'll get on the field to run the ball. You got that right, so. man. I love the fact he was talking about how tough he thinks his team is. Yeah. I love that, man. They, they should be tough this year. Um, when we come back, what do you expect from Josh Okogie this season for the Suns? Speaking of tough, that's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: You've been listening to the Coyote Coaching Show with Wolf and Luke. 98.7 98, 98, 98, FM, 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 Arizona's, Arizona's Sports, Sports Station. Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Wolf, will talk about roughing the passer. There are odds in Vegas. Over under three and a half roughing the passer calls in week six.
2: <laughs> Here we go.
1: That's how many odds there and this they is also be it, man about this will roughing the passer be reviewable in the 23-24 season <laughs> uh, Plus 550 yes minus 1000 no. Wow yes. You think yes?
2: Yeah. They have yeah. yes as a severe underdog there. Okay, well, I know. Mm, uh, maybe they, because they know how ridiculous it might be. What, are we going to have four-hour games now? You know, who knows?
1: Uh, speaking of four-hour games, baseball going right now. Mariners lead the Astros 4-2 in, uh, in the game that's currently going as the division round gets going. Uh, over to basketball, Wolf. One of the guys that the Phoenix Suns added that I do think could maybe provide them something tangible, Right out of the gate is Josh Akogi. We were talking about him a little bit earlier. This guy has like wolf... Player written all over him, like this. Just if he if he is able to reach his potential with the Suns, he just seems like the sort of guy that would be a wolf guy. Like if he did your freak show for the NBA yeah, draft, the right. way you do for the NFL, oh,
2: because you're talking about how he's built, it's just the way he's built, the way he plays. Yeah, yeah like he's all of that. Six four. He's two hundred thirteen pounds, and it's funny because Killer, of course, Kellen Olson wrote an article about Josh Okogie, and he was. Talking about how Monty Williams literally jokes with Josh Okogi and calls him Bo Jackson because of the thighs that he's got on. This is a guy that is put together. 6'4, 213 pounds, put together. Um, a shutdown-type defender, a guy that can actually do that. And that's what I see him doing for the Suns going forward, is being more of a guy that's going to come in specifically to try to shut down another guy. Yeah. That's where I see his role on this team And, right and that's now.
1: the thing. They're not asking him to come in and be a point producer. They don't... It'd be nice, right? But that's not what they really need from him. They just need him to go out there and be the player you just described, to basically be a shutdown guy. He was on Minnesota the first few years of his career. 20th overall pick in that 2018 draft, um, where the Suns obviously got DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges. So he spent the last four years in Minnesota. He talked about it pretty candidly in that story with Kellen of... Look, nothing bad to say about Minnesota, but they made some coaching changes in the time he was there, and he felt like he had to kind of keep starting over because he's not an established player. Now he has to start over again, but as a player, he knows if he can establish himself here with the Suns, the pieces around him aren't changing. Monty Williams is going to be the coach. Devin Booker's going to be here. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a more stable environment here if he can establish himself. And because they have Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Cam Johnson and Mikkel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, they don't really need him to score all that much. They just need him to be that shutdown defender. And if he becomes that wolf, yeah. if they have him and Mikkel Bridges out there sometimes at the same time, it's going to be really difficult to
2: score on this basketball. Yeah. You know, once again, and um, listen, do you do you need a guy like that on your roster? Of course you do. You need that guy to be able to shut down somebody and walk up over him. That it, it's so powerful to see somebody like that. But for me, Josh has got to improve his three point shot, and I just don't know how much that's really going to happen. You got a four year sample size right now, and he's averaging what twenty seven and a half percent. Yep. 27.5% from beyond the arc, and um, okay, there, there's been a lot of guys in the NBA that have improved their shot over time. There's there's no denying that. But I think you'd see it by now. Something, some type of improvement. He's not going to suddenly be 37% from three-point Right, range. exactly. Yeah. So again, I, I think that is in this positionless league that we see now. Um, here's a guy who's got a handle. He can take it to the rack. Um, he is Is a good defender, but he he's struggled to shoot the three with any real consistency, and that's always how. That's one of the reasons why they got him.
1: Yeah, and you know, you're ideally you're not you're not really relying on him to hit the three. It's not like he takes a lot, but you know, like you said, positionless basketball. He needs to at least. Be a threat to take the shot. You can't just have the defense is. Yeah, sagging but you're not taking
2: him. the shot because because you're not making. It. You're not making. Yeah, it. and you know your
1: shot isn't good. But I do trust Monty Williams to be able to deploy him in the right situations. Okay, we need to shut somebody down. We'll just put him out there for a little bit right now, and I'll have the other guys out there that can all score in, in those times. I mean, this is this is where Monty is uh, is good with this stuff, and he's good with relating to his players. And I don't know. I, I, I'm not all that excited about any of the additions the Suns have made yet? Because yeah. so many of them are just like...
2: And what is the best addition? <laughs> We've already talked about it. What is the best addition? I, I, don't, uh, even, I don't even know oh, at this point. Okay, the best addition right now is DeAndre Ayton gets oh, well. it. That's the best <laughs> That's addition they can possibly... That's I'm just saying I thought right you were now, talking about
1: guys that are actually added can you to the imagine, team?
2: Can you imagine if the light bulb goes on in the shed for DeAndre Ayton and suddenly he is just more aggressive and more physical, and adopts that, and embraces it, and says, oh my goodness, this is the coolest part about this game, this is the best thing about the game, competing, and and looking at another dude and saying, no, I'm not going to let you do that, or no, you're not going to stop me from doing what I'm about to do, <laughs> it's one of the best things about the game of basketball, it's one of the best things about competing against an opponent, face-to-face, is bettering him. And if DeAndre Ayton, if that light goes on in the shed and he gets it, That'd be the best addition the Phoenix Suns could possibly get this offseason.
1: See, and here I thought you were going to say the best addition was Jock Landale. You were, you were talking <laughs> hey, you know what? He had a nice play. He did. And he looked at uh, Nice is,
2: play last night.
1: This is the preseason of uh, of Australia, whether it's the Adelaide 36ers or Jock Landale making some, some decent hey, plays. Hey, how about a
2: steal, then a little dish and an alley oop? Uh, I still, I still want to know
1: the floor. who they're getting for Jay Crowder. And uh, Shams said yesterday, there's uh, there's at least a you know a, a chance that that player would come from Atlanta. That the Hawks are interested in Jay Crowder. Uh, we'll see. That's why I kind of think the the Suns roster for this season going in is incomplete. I wouldn't say I'm worried about that, but the season a week away because they're they're a playoff team. I think they're a title contender, but. I, I think they still got to add at least one or two more pieces before, I don't know, before the playoffs hit, let's say. You're smiling out over there, you're, you're terrified. Not no, with, the you suns, I you're you're with the Suns. You're worried. I'm overconfident with the Suns. I'm worried and concerned
2: when you smile that you're going to say you're something. You are. No, you're just you're horrified.
1: All right. All right we, uh, that's it. We're not coming back. It's the end of the show. Thanks Darren Maloney and uh, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.